back by no one's demand but our own, but not from our home office. Beautiful, sunny, scenic, quarantine, Nashville, Tennessee. I am in an undisclosed location surrounded by hooligans, socially distant, of course, here on the 615 Sessions, powered by Tennessee Tickets, brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. We will work clockwise around the room. I have to my left Mike Miracles at Mike Miracles on Twitter. Mike Herndon in the house. Well, I guess I'm in your guys. Michael, how yeah, are we? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm fantastic because I'm looking at Mr. Lebowski in a Degenitron pride shirt, which <laughs> I am just happy June, by the way, Lebowski. Happy June. Happy June to yeah. you. It's good to see you, bud. You this look great. The first time I've been. No, I don't. Let, let's let's get this out of the way. <laughs> I told I him he looks to, like Robin Williams from Jumanji. <laughs> I was supposed to get a haircut the first week of March. I now look like I shouldn't be allowed near anything that has anything to do well with anything. At Mr. Lebowski on Twitter is where you go to not look at Lebowski. That voice that you heard previously is, of course, Zebo at F-Words Pod. Boys, I am thrilled to be here in the lion's den for this uh, vacation edition. I'm supposed to be off, and I've been, I feel I've been working harder this week than I have in my entire career, which is not saying much. Is it because you're, you are uh, helping uh, a significant other set up their house? Well, there's a part of that. I've also refinanced my home. I've removed hey, myself. I'm doing that same. Yeah, it's yeah, a, it's a pain. Oh, God almighty. It is, uh, I've removed myself from Twitter, and ironically enough, the world is not as bad in real life as it is on social media. <laughs> Wait a second. I have found. I have found a hold. I mean, this is refreshing. This is the first time that I've deleted. And by the way, we're going to talk about Jeffrey Simmons, his Instagram post, how he's probably going to be the NFL's next Aaron Donald and Titans fans. Uh, next wet dream in terms of defensive line play. We're going to discuss the week in sports because since I have been removed from Twitter, I have no idea what the hell's going on, which only makes sense because I drive the show. So we're going to have the boys explain to me some of the headlines that have been circulating around the sports world. And then uh, we're going to discuss what's been going on in quarantine. And with uh, an additional news story that I found particularly in- particularly interesting I reopened my email this morning about a Titans front office restructuring. Yeah, it was awesome. That is very, very intriguing, to say the least. So we got news. We got bullshit. We've got all sorts of good stuff. Um, but yes, I have been I have been off social media. It's the first time that I have been off Twitter since I first downloaded the app 2011, my senior year of high school. And I think I've figured out why I'm so goddamn angry all the time. Yeah. Because it's just, it's in my blood. <laughs> I, I believe it. I mean, it, th- there's nothing that makes me angrier than opening that little bird app every day. It's, that's, when, that's when the rage starts, I think. I don't understand why people are so upset about coronavirus when people have been optionally injecting themselves with Twitter for about a decade now. <laughs> yeah. It is, it is a disease unlike any other. And I'm very much looking forward to the self-loathing that will return when I re-download the app in two days. We're, we're taping, by the way. This, you're going to hear this on a Tuesday. All of this may be invalid by the time you hear it because we are taping it in the midst of my vacation on a Friday. So weekend news notwithstanding, this is, this is just the best time for all of us. And I thought it good to be able to get back and socially distance among friends in person rather than a Zoom call. So let's talk about actual things that people come to this podcast to hear about and why you all on the Football and Other F-Words podcast exist, and that is the Tennessee Titans. There are a couple things 
in actual sports conversation that I think are very, very interesting in a time where there's not much going on. But this is legitimately intriguing. So we'll start with Jeffrey Simmons, the Titans defensive tackle heading into his second year in a year where he was a legitimate impact player difference maker once he was inserted into the lineup in week seven. We all we if you don't know at this point that Jeffrey Simmons tore his ACL, worked his way back, is a superhuman and was able to go by the Chargers game in the time in Tannehill's first start at the time that they needed to completely turn the season around and that that he was a considerable part of it over the course of the season as a rookie. This man looks like a 320 pound just offensive lineman killing machine on Instagram. And I was scrolling through my timeline and looking at this picture and it's, and Jeff, Jeff Simmons is, I believe him to be 21 at this point. He is built like a superhero. He is cut up like Aaron Donald, except he's, he's, what has he got? Five inches on Aaron Donald? Quite a bit bigger. Yeah. I don't know if he's got the 12 pack of abs that Aaron Donald crazily has. I don't know if you've seen Aaron Donald's abs, but they are maybe not abs. They're defined. I think your boy's at least working with a four pack. And again, 21 and just through not even a full NFL season and doing all this in the midst of a time when none of us can get into gyms until very, very recently. And even that at your own risk, Jeffrey Simmons, I'm looking at him and I see that picture and it's a completely ridiculous way to justify the Jarrell Casey trade. But I'm looking at that and I'm saying, okay, He has talked to us in the one Zoom call that we did with Titans Media probably about a month and a half ago at this point that he was not playing at a comfortable weight for him in 2019 in his rookie season as he was rehabbing his way back from the ACL and by most reports and by people that I have personally had conversations with, a consensus 70% of Jeffrey Simmons in his rookie year. This guy has the potential to be not just a really good defensive tackle. He doesn't have the potential to be Darrell Casey, which is a fantastic player, a five-time pro bowler, a great asset for your defensive line and for your franchise for years to come. I'm looking at this guy and I'm thinking Aaron Donald. I'm thinking J.J. Watt. I'm thinking this guy is going to be one of the biggest, biggest impact players on on the national NFL landscape, whatever the hell the season looks like. If they play real live games, this dude is going to make a difference. And I'm wondering what you guys as Titans fans, think of this when you say, and you know, I call you guys Titans fans, and I shouldn't do that anymore because you are more rational, reasonable, uh, reasonable, and cynical than fans should be. You are at you, you have legitimate insight at, into your team. But you look at this picture and you think, what? Because I am not typically overreactionary guy in that way, and I am like drooling at the idea of this dude in the Titans' defensive scheme, no matter who the hell is calling the plays on Sunday. Well, seeing him manhandle Quentin Nelson, to me, was one of the big... And at 70% in Mm -hmm. one of his first games back, to me, is is a real telling sign of what you can expect from Jeffrey Simmons. Then you see this picture, and then you're thinking... I'm thinking to myself, I see this picture. Okay, we got... That's Aaron Donald, pretty much. And we're going to get the guy that we we all thought when he got drafted even though he was injured the guy that we saw in college and he's going without the knee brace right yeah. but it also makes me think when's the last time all that makes me think when's the last time that Jarrell Casey dominated an offense uh, an all pro offensive lineman like like he did quick I mean, it's been a while he was pretty dominant in that Ravens game 
Yeah, but yeah. Uh, well, that's true. That's true. Now, and and I don't and I don't think that's a I don't think that's a great I don't think that's a a fair characterization to Jarrell Casey because what Jarrell Casey represents to us consistently is attention, attention paid mm-hmm. to the defensive line in a way that you're not just physically one on one manhandling right. Quentin Nelson. You're getting a double team because you're the best asset that that defense has. Yeah, and I think I just think that Simmons is going to be able to handle a little bit more of the double teams a little bit better because he is, you know. He can keep his pants up. There's no butt crack or anything. And this is not to to crap on Jarrell Casey, but we got to. Un- I think Titans fans need to realize: you be sad about Jarrell Casey if you want. I instead am going to be happy about Jeffrey Simmons. Instead of focusing on the negative of, well, we haven't done anything with Jarrell Casey's money yet. I'm going to focus on, man, Jeffrey Simmons is looking good. And you're right, we have for the first time the potential to have someone on the level of a national stage like Albert Hainsworth was when he was here, like Javon Curse when he was a rookie in his first thing. Heath Bullock, Mr. Monday Night. This is going to be that guy. And if he's not that guy, I would be 100% shocked. But in year two, 100%, no knee brace, looking svelte, this guy's... This guy's something. And this is a reason for Titans fans to be super excited and to not forget what Jarrell Casey has done, but let's look towards the future like it, like our organization is. They're, they're, they're in the now. Titans fans got to start getting out from the past a little bit quicker and let things go a little bit quicker. Yeah, I think it's, it's certainly a transition from the Casey-led line to, to a Simmons-led line. There's zero doubt that he's going to be the focal point of that defensive front. Um, he's unquestionably got a higher ceiling than Casey. I, I mean, say what you want. I mean, five-time pro bowler, really, really good defensive tackle, not taking anything away from him. Great player. At, Simmons has everything you could possibly want. He's got the, the like, fully loaded, ultimate wax car wash version of skill set for defensive linemen. He's huge. He's un, unbelievably naturally strong. I mean, just... You see the way he's able to torque and push people without having to, you know, th- start his momentum or anything like that. He's able to just move people physically um, in a way that that Casey never was that guy. Casey was got by on quicks, hand usage, uh, being a smart player. Uh, you know, he was very bendy for a guy that that's kind of his size and shape. Um, and Simmons is going to win in a different way, but to me, Simmons is in Dominican Sue in his prime. Like that's that's where I would set expectations and that's a complete game changer from a defensive line standpoint and I think it's going to be exciting to see him freed up more because Casey monopolized so many of those three tech uh, snaps and he was really good with them but Simmons being put into that three tech spot getting fewer double teams because of just where he's positioned it's harder to double team that spot and allowing him to attack and get upfield and not you know not be reading a two-way go not not be you know, kind of sitting there trying to set and read and react, he's going to be able to be freed up to attack immediately. And I think that's going to result in a lot more big plays from him, uh, even than what we saw last year. In addition to the fact that physically he's going to be way further along than he was last year. How much looking at Simmons and the work he's putting in, in the off season, and then I'll throw in Derrick Henry that Derrick Henry continues to make himself look like the human version of a Voltron robot. So <laughs> AJ Brown, uh, Johnny. How, but how much it, it, it's completely anecdotal because most pro athletes post their workouts on social media, but I feel like the Titans players in the off season have this extra oomph 
coming off that AFC championship. And, and that's what, that's kind of what I like to see. Yeah. I spoke about that on Twitter a few, uh, maybe last week I said something to that effect because it just feels like, okay, they, there's no hangover from the AFC championship game. It's more motivation. Cause sometimes you get teams. I mean, the Jaguars are a good example that go to the AFC championship game. And it really just, that loss affects the locker room on a level and they come apart at the seams in the next season. This, this team doesn't, doesn't feel that way. I mean, you got Logan Woodside doing all these workouts. Tannehill and Janu are, are doing their stuff during the whole Corona thing. Uh, Derek Henry. I mean, just all these players and, and it just feels with the, the, what our organization has said coming out of um, the George Floyd stuff. And then from what our coaches are saying and our general managers are saying in their interviews, but then just this, it just feels like a different team. This feels like a team. When I was looked, thinking about teams in the AFC and teams in the NFL in general, just the general attitude and perspective of these players so far and the work they're putting in, I don't see why this isn't a, a top five team, to be honest with you. When you look at the roster from top to bottom, if, if and you look at we kept all the consistency, we we sure we lost Jack Conklin, but I don't think it's going to be that big of a loss. Isaiah Wilson is Jack Conklin. Yeah. And so to me, it's like, how can this team not make it back to the AFC Championship game? I understand that the, there's the Ravens and the Chiefs, and obviously those teams are ahead of them roster-wise too. But when you look at this roster from top to bottom, it's that's a top-five roster. I mean, in your point about you know behind the Ravens and Chiefs, I think it's fair if you look at just the Tannehill segment of the of last season and you isolate that and say, all right, they were nine and four, um, and they played seven division winners in that thirteen game stretch. They went nine and four against a really hard stretch of the schedule. I don't know that they're far off from where the Ravens and Chiefs are, honestly. And I, you know, we did uh, a power rankings thing for another project recently, and it's hard to separate teams. You know, once you get to a certain point, it's like, yeah, I think they're roughly equal, and you just kind of got to choose based on like whatever criteria you want. Oh, I'm just going to go with a better quarterback or the better coach, whatever, whatever thing you think is most important. But I think it's kind of. I mean, how many NFL teams do you put clearly above the Titans before you start going, eh, you know, I could, I, before they start to enter the conversation? I don't think it's more than two or three um, yeah. where all of a sudden it's like, all right, eh, the Titans are part of that conversation. When you now. do an overhead view of the roster and of the coaching staff and you compare it to what you said, what you can't, you can't really talk about what eight did those first few games. And and project that onto this team. Eight being Marcus Mariota, yeah. who Mike made damn sure to take out before we started the podcast. Yeah. Still <laughs> kind enough to not do it in front of a microphone, yeah. but just in the group text that we were discussing <laughs> right before the show, just a needless sideswipe of Marcus Mariota. That is kneecapped him out of nowhere. Yes. <laughs> but, I mean, we, you got to look at what you said, the Tannehill-led Titans, and what they're bringing back, what they've added maybe what they've added depending on your view of Vic Beasley is it better than what they had last year yes is it enough probably not but sometimes like we said all year last year all you need is Tannehill to score you 21 points and you're going to win games and and sure enough that's what he went on to do he and, went way beyond yeah, he that he went way beyond <laughs> that but i mean sure enough that's what happened and it was right and Again, so I'll say this about Vic Beasley. 
all you need him to get is probably seven or eight sacks, and that's enough to maybe swing a couple of games for you. I I am looking at this roster and thinking, yeah, we could use Clowney for sure. Like, nobody's going to say no to Clowney, but what else do we need? Like this Jamal Adams, these people throwing out Jamal Adams uh, trade articles no, every no, day. No, that's, that's getting, you know, that's, that's fantasy football. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. right. But, I mean, I'm just thinking, like, why fans, every time a new free agent or someone's oh, up for trade, we got to sign him, we got to sign him. We still wait, need Jamal Adams. Still waiting on Des Bryant to make that big impact yeah. that everyone said he would. I well, they do they do the thing like the Jamal Adams to the Titans thing for the same reason that you just had a 20 minute discussion about the Titans being the top five team in June because they're fans and they get excited. So let's let's look at this. And as soon as I gave you credit for not being (laughs) rational and reasonable, you went you went to the power rankings, which you can get at. Uh, They're not when they're available. They're not released. (laughs) TBD. I, he, he, tried, he tried to throw you a bow and Mike, know, was, Mike was not ready damn it no. Michael no it's okay you can get the uh, you can get the power rankings when they are available as well as all of the other work that Mike Miracle do, Mike Miracles does at musiccitymiracles.com no what what I'm hearing from the three of you is such a different tone from the last time I was at this house it's it is it is or rather this undisclosed location I am I'm laughing at this because one Lebowski, I know very much what it's like to walk into that locker room full of people that are superhumans and built like Transformers and know what it is to feel great and utter shame at what I physically look like compared to these men <laughs> yeah. who are chiseled from stone. Do you know what? Do you know how unbelievably emasculating it is to walk in on a Wednesday in week seven when I'm just full of press box brownies and <laughs> cheap coffee and terrible food that I'm going to eat anyway because we sit in a press box for four hours and just stuff our faces because you can't change the channel even when the football is bad. This is what I look at and I see Jonu Smith and I see Derrick Henry and I see A.J. Brown and now Jeffrey Simmons is here to fat shame me. He couldn't, he couldn't <laughs> hang on to the baby fat for just one more season. He had to go right from my throat. So I'm taking all of this very personally, first and foremost. But secondly, I am hearing from you guys. The last time I was with you in your studio, in the lion's den, as it were, we, Lebowski had, had lost hope. Yeah. Had lost hope in his football team. Oh, I didn't care. I wasn't going to go back to the stadium. There it was, no was point. exactly what you warn against as, as, as any across pro sports or across any sports base. It's it's that point where you go from anger to apathy. And Lebowski, I remember sitting there and looking at you, and I love you, buddy, and you're so damn funny, and I hated that show because you were done. <sighs> you were done. And it, it just it felt at that point, outside of scoring 30 points a game and going to an AFC title game, which, of course, is going to reinvigorate anybody, it sounded like you had lost your love for the sport that, that has brought you guys here on the Football and Other Efforts podcast. Rate, review, and subscribe. That makes this so much fun for you guys to do. And I'm so happy to see you, happy June, in your Degenatron shirt. I keep trying to say gender because June. And uh, and it's making me very nervous now. So I'm going to toss to you because I, I'm just happy to see you with a smile on your face. But all three of you. I was absolutely of the opinion. I don't really have a college team that I follow. I just enjoy watching the sport. But that is a bit of apathy built in that I have trouble tying into college teams because of the complete rage out that college fans get with the team that they're obsessed with that being said I was completely losing my love as a Titans fan because I'm just tired of watching the same team do the same bullshit every year so yeah I was pretty checked out I just wanted to watch pro football 
I was actually getting to the point where I was like, finally, I could just watch Red Zone and not have to worry yeah. about flipping back to Titans games. Yeah. Uh, so that yeah. was after the Broncos game, right? Yes. Is that when we recorded that? I can't. I no, can't remember. No, you, I think it may have been was, after the Panthers game. No, this was this was a particularly sullen, uh, sullen episode because I I remember being vis- still visibly upset, and Dan- Denver is the angriest I've ever been after a professional <laughs> football game. It had to have been week yeah. eight ish, but yeah, it, yeah. Long story short, like everything before the coronavirus, that feels eons ago. So, oh my God. Yes, I'm a different person now. <laughs> it shows you're glowing. Now, I can, now yeah. I can see Instagram photos of our players going apeshit working out and think, there it is. There there's, it is. The, there's the invigoration I yeah. want. This is, this, is what it feels to, this is what it feels to feel hope for a football <laughs> season. And, and to tie it back to the Simmons thing, the Simmons picture is, is unbelievable just because of the, like, you, you expect guys that are, really really strong or in shape or whatever you get that like v or whatever you don't expect that from a 300 plus pounder yeah but he's got the shoulders and like the taper down like it's like this is not what humans should look like his like back and shoulders particularly are just unbelievable it's it's ridiculous he's a superhuman like he is built like what you would imagine superman to be built like it's 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 honestly it is honestly it's going to be so fascinating to watch. And, and we make, you know, every time we get on one of these godforsaken Zoom calls, which I feel my entire, my at least my 2020 existence is going to look like whenever the football season comes down to. And I haven't even, by the way, I, I saw just briefly on the, or heard on uh, briefly on the car ride over here that the Hall of Fame game has been canceled in my yes. week off Twitter. All of this, uh, the, the pro football Hall of Fame enshrinement ceremony has been canceled or uh, or at least delayed until such time as they can hold it safely because of the global pandemic and COVID-19 and all the wretchedness that it has brought upon us in our day-to-day lives much less our sports lives. But I look I look at this and I am I am fascinated to see how Mike Vrabel uses him in this defense because the defensive line depth or the front seven depth for lack of a better term I think the I think the concern about it or the concern about the necessity of Clowney, Jadavion Clowney, as we enter month almost four. Is it close to four months of him being oh, available yeah, on the yeah. Yeah. March? Yeah. Yeah. March 17th. So. Four months of this godforsaken Clowney watch in my life, which is going to continue to get me through a Tuesday in June. So I'm grateful <laughs> for it. But I look at this and I think, okay, I am I am comfortable with the scheme that they run and the personnel that they have because for a team that very rarely uses more than two down defensive linemen, you can be confident in the guys that you have in Daquan Jones alongside Jeffrey Simmons. And you have the rookie fifth-round pick, Laurel Murchison. Big Murch. Who is going to, if he's Austin Johnson, fine. If he's yeah. a little better, great. Like, Absolutely. great in terms of depth. And because- don't sleep on Isaiah Mack either. Yeah. I think he's putting in a lot of work this offseason. And- well, and that would be an improvement on what they thought of him at the end because he started to lose snaps because they were all but suggesting laziness out of uh, Ooh, Isaiah Mack. And so that is uh, that was that was a vibe that contributed to his decrease in snap counts. But before, I don't want to spend too much time on on the on-field stuff as we sit here in June because there's been actual news in terms of their front office in a way that maybe does not initially catch the day-to-day NFL or Titans fans eye but the addition the release that was put out 2 days ago about the Titans adding Adolfo Birch, uh Surf Melendez and Dan Worley to the front office 
what none of those names are going to stand out to your casual football fan. Right. But Adolfo Birch is a longtime NFL like league office executive. Senior VP. Senior VP yeah. in the NFL, somebody who is not a Nashville native, as it is noted in the press release, but there it has to be more than it's not just hometown vibes gonna bring Adolfo Birch to the Tennessee Titans. This goes along with an offseason in which they have, under John Robinson, two of the most attractive general manager candidates and Ryan Cowden and the, uh, oh, I'm, I'm forgetting. Monty Ossenfort. I don't know how I could possibly forget Monty's <laughs> name in a big spot. But this is a continued restructuring of the, for lack of a better term, new era Tennessee Titans, not just on the field, but off the field in a way that I think is going to totally or at least start to revolutionize what they are as a franchise, what they are in terms of legitimacy, what they are in terms of competency, where you're not hiring Adam Gase on just the recommendation of Peyton Manning or trusting a baseball baseball analytics person to, be cut, to come into your front office and run the Cleveland Browns and trust it to go swimmingly right off the bat just because you have a bunch of draft capital because your team sucked for so long. (laughs) I look at this and I see them making, on paper, if nothing else, great decisions. And I see them putting together what is one of the most formidable teams, not only on the field in a way that you can talk about in the AFC competing with the Chiefs and the Ravens, but you talk about the ability to get stuff done, the ability to represent and and create create what the Titans should be in be it Amy Adams Strunk image or John Robinson's image or Mike Vrabel's image, all of them together. I love this as a as a headline. I am fascinated by what it comes to bear out. I am very interested to speak to Adolfo Birch, who I have put in a uh, a uh, an interview request for, which will probably be denied until such time as they come back, because that's just the way these things work in the middle of the NFL summer. But you guys. What what are, I mean, I guess you you know who Adolfo Birch is. What what does it change about your expectations or what does it what does it initially strike you at? I I to me the for for fans and for I think this podcast, Adolfo Birch is a great hire, right? Yes. But I think what relates to us really in the game day experience and what you see aesthetically, Surf Melendez is the biggest one I think that may have the most immediate tangible impact for, for fan impact yeah, yeah. and because you know with the Dolphins I mean he they've gained all we wouldn't know but he has gained all kinds of recognition for what they've done down there formerly he, the managing yeah. director of content and creative entities for the Miami basically Dolphins. their digital and broadcast content and game day production has won Emmy awards and, and all this stuff so I mean like from there that's going to be something he also used to work for Adidas as a senior brand design manager but he helped revamp that stadium and kept that stadium and revamped a lot of stuff I believe if I'm not mistaken that he is the reason they put those uh overhangs in the canopies the, in the canopies yeah. but stuff like that I expect the dollhouses to go at this point. Yeah. They're well, gone, and I expect them to the be gone. That's the first thing you saw when you read this yeah. release or when you saw the news on social media. Logan's yeah. is gone, and get that dollhouse out yeah. of there. And, and sweet, I, sweet justice. I think, I think that's a, a great point, because 
uh, Amy Adam Strong on Midday 180 has multiple times now referenced specifically Hard Rock Stadium in Miami as a model that she liked um, as far as when they've asked her, does she want a new stadium? What's what's her plan for Nissan Stadium, which, of course, the lease is up, I believe, in seven or eight years. Yeah. Um, so they're right in that window where they need to start deciding, are we staying at Nissan Stadium? Are we building a new place? What are we doing with the stadium? Um, because that, uh, obviously you don't want to let that get within a couple years of the yeah. lease expiring. So um, I would all, I mean, the hire of Surf Melendez, I think you're right, is going to be the one that, that impacts the franchise from a fan engagement standpoint the most. And I think his tie to Hard Rock Stadium and what they did down there and her already speaking of that as, as an example that she likes, I feel like we are steamrolling towards a revamp of Nissan Stadium yeah. in the next two to three and years she that said probably that, comes that she out. She wants yeah. to keep the stadium, but she wants to make the updates and recognizes it's 20 years old and yeah. there's it looks on the inside every bit of 20 years old. And yeah. I mean... It, but, but I think Birch is going to make a big impact too, like you said, off the field because of what his history was with the league and uh, working with programs to support players and employees of the NFL for off-field success. I think this is going to be big for for our community. I think Birch will affect the community and affect the personnel and players yeah while melendez surf melendez which is an awesome name by oh, the way surf um, melendez is such a cool it, name it's, and of course it's, it's from miami 10 yeah. out of 10 name it yeah. will affect the fans and everything else i like it because i think it paints the picture of the titans as finally coming over the hump of being a 100 percent viable nfl organization not only in the eyes of the local fan base but nfl the NFL as a whole to where if, if you had any doubt, any question of ownership's focus of making this a viable franchise in Nashville, but just making it franchise that actually wants to succeed. I think this just completely 100% solidifies. And I've got to go back in on the, the fact that the Titans have decided to, to hire a, a creative director really lends weight to the fact that, we're going to see not only the game day experience change, but the outer visual image of what the Titans are painted as no more to me for the longest time. And we've burned up so much oxygen on this podcast talking about this, but no more to me. I hope this is the step in the league. The team is not going to look like a triple a AAA baseball team as far as it's the game day production. It's not going to be the generic, you yes. know, like create a team NFL team. It really, know? it does. It seems like, like the Madden create a team version of generic music, generic game day experience. So it, that's to me, what's so intriguing about it. If you were a Titans fan, and you had any doubt in ownership and their focus on the team and the direction. I think you can read this and put that to bed. Out with the old in with the new. I mean, mm. this is not the, like I, talked about getting rid of you know titans fans letting go of history as far as moving on to the future ownership's doing that yeah the, these the general manager is doing that the coach is doing that this is a totally new team even from 2018 from 2017 this is a totally just different feeling surrounding this team and it's i'm loving it yeah. I, I just cannot get enough of good bold moves like this Rest in peace, Steve Underwood's mustache. But you know, it's still alive and well. It's still alive and well. But <laughs> you can't I kill mean, it. It has a mind of its own. The, the higher that 
the his replacement was was another sign that they're just not happy with the status quo. Um, Gil Bert. Beverly last year. His hire yeah. was also a sign. They've, they've made Beverly, a lot of high-end yeah. hires in the last two years, a lot. And I mean, Gil Beverly did improve, and it's not hard to improve the game day experience at Nissan Stadium from what it was, but he did make tangible improvements. I don't remember seeing the Kroger race last year. Could be all the White Claws I was having, <laughs> but I don't remember that. So there are some improvements, but and now they, they we're going to get even more. They are actively listening to the fan base yeah. now, too, I think. And they, and they didn't do that for years. And the criticism of the Titans was always that they were cheap. It was that the Titans are cheap. They don't want to spend money on players. They don't want to spend money on facilities. They just they built the cheapest stadium they could get. They built the cheapest practice facilities they could get. And that was Bud Adams. I mean, Bud was, that's what he was known for. I mean, he, even people that like him, I think, would tell you that he was a cheap guy. So... You know, I think we're seeing a new direction under Amy Armstrong. She's not afraid to spend money. She's not afraid to go out and hire the best talent. And she's being, she's proven able to attract the best talent. You know, she's That's built in, crazy. in infrastructure now. And, and these aren't positions, these hires that they're hiring are not like they're filling a role that was vacated. They're creating new roles and they're building out a bigger organization. They're doubling the size of their uh, facility at St. Thomas Sports Park right now, which is huge. They are they are trying to make this into a top flight NFL franchise, not just a okay. We meet the minimum requirements anymore. This is taking it to another level, and this and that emanates. I don't think it it should be undersold how much that emanates throughout the rest of the the organization. It's it's not just okay. We have nicer offices now, and we have uh you know some some smarter guys in legal or whatever. Excellence and accountability, I think, are being fed throughout the organization, and that feeds into everything down to the players and the product on the field. So I, I think these moves, you know, Adolfo Burch isn't going to make any tackles this year, but I think this helps the brand. It helps, you know, players feel proud when they come to be a Tennessee Titan because this is an organization that's about excellence on every level. Three years ago, when they made the decision to oust malarkey for Vrabel there was a organizational restructure that they implemented and it started obviously with the coaching staff but they set about with their infrastructure of the team of every aspect of the workings of the team to reorganize to maximize efficiency and to make this a legitimate NFL franchise, not just, I mean, because of course, all of it has to come from winning. Nobody cares if you don't win football games. We, we, you can, you can talk about all these things, lovely though they might be. And if you don't win games, nobody's going to care, but you now have a seat at the table. Adolfo Birch has the ability to affect NFL policy. You have actual people who make a difference in the day-to-day goings on in the league. And it makes the Titans that much more valuable a commodity makes them that much more attractive for people who they are trying to appeal to and all of the tens of hundreds of people who are moving into the city on a regular basis and need NFL football may already have a team, but if the, if the hometown team's winning, they're probably going to be excited about the atmosphere that goes into it. And it's not just plucking Mason, in, uh, Mason Ramsey off an Instagram uh, story and putting him out there to sing the national anthem and then flying, flying, uh, flying the helicopters overhead. Like it's, it's got actual depth to it. And all of it is being done in a way that you can see the plan taking place. And while gas bags like myself and the three gentlemen sitting around the table with me, maybe, you know, we, we, you want to see immediate 
results in all things. We live in a very cause and effect society. We live in a very instant gratification society. And it does not take into account that this is building towards something more. And admittedly, I lacked perspective in exactly what it was that they set about doing three years ago. And now I am seeing what their plan was and how they have executed it, more importantly, in a way that I don't think that this organization was capable of when I got here, for example, five years ago. And it's, I think a lot of fans forget, maybe not forget, but I think a lot of fans lose focus of the fact that NFL teams are franchises much like company franchises, much like like, restaurant franchises. If you want to see things change, it's not just getting the correct head coach in, getting the correct players, and you start winning. There's a whole behind-the-scenes business aspect of, keeping brand awareness out there and all of the corporate speak that anyone who works in the corporate world would hear a ton of, but it takes a lot of work and you have to have the right culture and the right organization behind the scenes. Anyone with an ounce of, you know, business oomph in them reads these hires and thinks, I mean, hell yes. The Tennessee Titans just stole a senior VP away from the NFL head office. I mean, that alone right there is not something I felt like you would have repeated back in the days of <laughs> Tommy Smith and the the dark days of the Tennessee Titans. So that's why I'm so intrigued by it is that this league or this back office for the Titans suddenly all of a sudden feels like a viable fortune 100 company that's trying to do stuff, not just Hardy's getting by saying, well, we're going to fry chicken this week and see what happens. God, this is such a whole different vibe from the first time I started doing these podcasts. <laughs> we would come in here for an hour and just absolutely shit talk the local professional football team. And now it is nothing but coming up roses. Boys, you are you are living your best lives. I'm very happy for you. We're fired up. I mean, I, I think we're the reason to be yeah. a Titans fan for once. I haven't felt this excited probably. Probably. God, maybe. I don't know when the last time I was probably two thousand two thousand three. You're really the thirteen and three. Uh, I mean, I was I was very excited by that season, but yeah. even that season when we went into oh nine, I fe- felt like that was a there was a come down that was very yeah. possible. I think everyone recognized there was a come down that was possible, and obviously it played out, and then it really devolved into you know the yeah. abyss, a house from of cards there. type situation. Yeah, so I, I think two thousand three was the last time I felt like the Titans are a legit contender they're coming into the season it's not a question of can they compete it's a question of can they win the right games at the right times to go into the super bowl uh, you know it's it's that level of franchise now i yeah. feel like i just i can't get over it i can't get over it that's all it's, I, I i i sit here i sit here stunned and in awe of the three of you uh, in the midst of uh, it, what what is great tragedy oh, around the world, uh, the global pandemic. We may not have a football season and all of your hopes will be dashed. And I do that just to bother Zach. Uh, but <laughs> this guy. After, Already uh, canceling the football season. We still got right. three months to go. After, after this podcast and being off of Twitter for a week, you're going to come back to Twitter and it's going to be like getting in an ice cold like bath or something yeah. like that. You're, yeah, you're going to be worry. shocked I'm, by the negativity. Through normal people who com- have to comment on everything you post they'll be there for you they're ready i can't wait yeah i can't wait (laughs) just as i cannot wait for you all who are listening at home to rate review and subscribe to the football and other f words podcast where you can find mike miracles at mike miracles on twitter mr lebowski 
at Mr. Lebowski on the socials and Zebo at F words pod whenever it is that you get to uh, delving into the Twitter sewers as I look forward to uh, to pouring sulfuric acid onto my onto my uh, appendages and diving back in myself. I feel like it's going to be it's going to be like an acid bath. That's what I'm prepared. <laughs> it's like making coffee and drinking it as someone is repeatedly crashing a car in your front door. <laughs> that is what Twitter is like. You know what? You're I'm- just drinking it and you're thinking, well, there it is. <laughs> That's happening. <laughs> Everything's fine. But let's uh, let's go around the room because you boys have brought each of you a headline to the table from something that I have missed in social media this week. We will have a larger Titans discussion after we have explained the week in sports, but I feel this is the best way to do it. Who would like to start the bidding? Lebowski, you look anxious. Sure. I'll go nuts because I want to talk about one of my favorite subjects, which is Adam Gase. Oh. I lo- Anytime... I get to dunk on Adam Gase. I'm here because I think the man is uh, legitimately insane and deserves every bit of the criticism he gets. So as I'm sure you knew before you went on vacation, Jamal Adams wants out of, of New York. With two years on his contract. Right, yes, very jetsy of him. Mm-hmm. So um, New York Daily News reported uh, a couple of days ago that Adam Gase has lost confidence in the locker room, which I'm sure comes as no surprise to anyone who has followed this psychopath's career. So uh, I just want to deep dive a little bit into uh, Adam Gase and exactly why I think this report is dead on. Uh, Daily News again wrote that uh, the players don't respect Gase, who has rubbed him, rubbed them the wrong way with his inability to lead and lack of support. Uh, let's see, including players, coaches, members of the front office don't trust Gase. He's disingenuous. Uh, and he's lost people on the organization. He's painted a picture of an insecure figure, always willing to point the figure at others and the team's failings last season. So some people are trying to come out and refute this report, which uh, I, I don't know why, because if you look into any kind of history with Gase, it's dead on. And let me elaborate. Two days ago, <laughs> Kyle Krabs of, of the Dolphins Wire summed it up. Wait quickly. Did everybody hear how excitedly Lebowski <laughs> rattled his notes in front of him? Yes. At, so ready for he this. He popped it. This is a there's whole... two people that he loves talking about. Adam Gase, Bill O'Brien. There's a whole, oh, yeah. I've got a whole page here in Calibri, 11 point font that <laughs> I've got Calibri. laid out of why this Think guy is such a jackass. Kyle Krabs. Lay Grabs, it on me, big boy. Dolphins Wire said Tuesday, by the time Adam Gase's tenure was up in Miami, Gase had alienated some of the team's most productive players and best offensive weapons in Javaris Landry, J.H.I. Both were traded to accommodate Gase as the head coach and tried to deliver his message to the rest of the locker room. Does this sound sounding, sounding a little familiar? Indeed. Sprinkle in the outright dismissal of center Mike Pouncey, guard Billy Turner, and defensive tackles Namik and Sue and Jordan Phillips, who have all gone on to find additional success beyond their tenures in Miami, and the Dolphins effectively gave away a quarter of the starting lineup just to try to retain the locker room and avoid players spurning Gase. Mm. Mm. Oh, but I'm not done. Oh. <laughs> he's, oh, he's, I'm not he's done. stopping for a cigarette break as <laughs> yeah. if he's post-coital in between so, drafts. You know, you know, if you're at a nice restaurant and they, and they bring you out a little palate cleanser, yes. that's what I just had. So this is a the, little ginger. Yes. A little ginger on L- the top. A little ginger. This is yeah. the post-meal sorbet. This is exactly. <laughs> this is the post-meal sorbet before they serve coffee because here's the dessert right here. Uh, the Athletic, last August, reported the following. One of my favorite articles of all time. Dan Pompey writes on his Adam Gase computer. He has a file for every day that he has been head coach in each file is what he did that day and how it worked out. There's also a file for every opponent every year. 
Then he has a master folder for each year, which he keeps track of needed adjustments. The file for October 1st, 2013 is particularly interesting. Every Tuesday, when he was in Denver, Gase met with Manning, Peyton Manning, at 2 p.m., except this Tuesday when his wife, Jennifer, was delivering their son, Wyatt, by a C-section. Gase told his wife to schedule the operation for 10 a.m., so they pulled the baby out of him. This is his wife. This is a direct quote from his wife. This is not someone just quoting this like, you know, wanting to be anonymous. This is his wife saying this. They pulled the baby out of me and said, it's a boy. Jennifer says, they didn't even put my organs back and sew me up before he said, this is Gase, you good? And I said, yeah, I'm good. He said, all right, then I'm out. They said, you want to cut the umbilical cord? They being the doctors, I guess. He said, no, I'm good. At 2 p.m., Manning was stunned to find Gase in the waiting room uh, waiting for his meeting. Manning said, you got to be kidding me. Didn't your wife just have a baby two hours ago? Gase said, yeah, but did you really think I was going to let you win this one? Oh, mm. my God. <clears throat> so I just want to sum all that up by saying, if you think this man has any redeeming qualities as a human, you are also a psychopath. All you have to do is read that last paragraph and think, I don't want this man in my front office or head coaching position at all. This is delightful. <laughs> I and and first of all, this is a failure by uh, Mike and Zebo because they let you bat lead off. They should yes. not have now. Yes. And they should not have. And now you've gone all in with a hand of Adam Gase and NFL <laughs> ne- uh, and NFL ineptitude in terms of hiring practices because this is exactly what this is, and this is why I enjoy I enjoy being able to uh, ruminate in what Lebowski has just laid before us like a fucking. Uh, Golden Corral buffet (laughs) spread just full of crab legs and steaks that's been overdone for too long and it's all in the shape of crazy-eyed Adam Gase. I love all of this because, one, he's he's done exactly what you cannot do in the locker room. One of the best things that Mike Vrabel does in the locker room, he is at, at at the first and foremost of his job, he is going to make sure that the players in that room, trust him and know that they can rely upon their head coach to have their back in situations. And every name of every star player on every team that Adam Gase has coached that you just named thinks that this guy is an asshole. And so now you go to further down in the story, this name that you cited, Peyton Manning, because this is the root of all evil for any Vols fans who are listening to this because this is how bad teams stay bad, i.e. the New York Jets, who now Jamal Adams, who is tired of playing for a shitty team, wants to go on and with two years left on his contracts, try and leverage a deal because he is soaked in this ineptitude. Peyton Manning made a recommendation to Woody Johnson, the owner of the Jets, to hire Adam Gase. And because that's all that it takes in the NFL, which is why all these minority coaches are pissed the hell off, about the NFL hiring practices, the fact that Bleacher Report wrote an article, a really well-written article, who, and the author I'm forgetting at the moment, but about how Peyton Manning is still one of the most influential people in the NFL and how he can just flick his wrist as if he was throwing a duck pass to Julius Thomas for a seven-yard out and still get Adam Gase a job who continues to show himself to be an inept. I'm very excited. I like this game. He's explaining <laughs> sports to me. I'm, I'm enjoying this. So, Adam Gase, representative of all things wrong in NFL hiring. Uh, Lebowski, well done. Just, I want to close with this. 
Adam Gaze and Peyton Manning. This look, reminds me. Look at him. He's me, not done. I'm not done. I'm not done. I want one, I want one more little put, duck. This put is Gaze as back on the This steer. is as you're walking out of the restaurant from which you've been thrown out of for being intoxicated. You get, you get your last little rip before they throw you out the door and you turn around and say, Adam Gaze standing next to Peyton Manning is the janitor standing next to a supercomputer at the, I, at the IBM you know, headquarters. And as it's ripping off calculations, he's going, I'm off that floor. I do that. That's me. <laughs> this man's success has nothing to do with you. And now you've ruined, you're on your way to ruining two locker rooms. You were offered a head coaching job after destroying Miami. I wish every bit of ill luck against this man. But, but and listen. I will, and I will revel in this content every time it's released. I, I mean, it. he is he is caressing that piece <laughs> oh, of paper in front of him. Very excited. I'm like aroused at I, this point. I, I think I, he might frame that when we leave here I, and I, just I, like put it up beside his bed. All I want to say is good luck, Zach and Mike. Yeah, he probably uh, sleeps with this piece of paper under his bed. There's no it's doubt un, about it's it. definitely under his pillow. Yeah. The, uh, the, the one thing I want to add to that. Please. But Ryan Tannehill should have succeeded more under this crazy person. Yeah. Let's let's just throw that out there. Remember, this That's was Ryan. Like this was where Ryan Tannehill was coming from to an actual functional organization in Tennessee. It shouldn't be that shocking that he played much better here. Well, and let's not forget that Adam Gase is the same guy. Speaking of another wife story, in this same article that he was referencing the uh, birth story, Adam Gase is at home on his couch <laughs> while his wife is out with girlfriends uh, having fun yes. at dinner, and texts her. And tells her to order Uber Eats for him so it can be delivered to the house that he is at. <laughs> Just think about that. Yeah. Think That's about so having good. a killer tweet since you're about to come back on Twitter, Buck. And then calling me and saying, Lebowski, I need you to log in <laughs> as Buck Rising on Twitter and tweet this out and make sure you don't misspell it. Would, it's completely insane. Would you do that? I would. <laughs> do you trust me to do it? Have you read my Twitter feed? Yes. It's why, it's why we're here. It's why we sit amongst friends. All right, moving on in other news this week. Michael, what have you brought to the table in terms of sports headlines that need to be explained to me? I, I have a headline. This is this may be Lebowski had the best rant of the group. I, I'm pretty confident saying that, but well, I may have the best headline his, of his opinion. It was it was not the straight headline. It was oh, Lebowski. Whatever. <laughs> I, whatever. I, Soak I, it up. I think I may have the strongest headline here, though. OK, from the New York Post. A chicken serial killer is on the loose on Jay Cutler's farm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're intrigued. Yeah, you have you're me. intrigued. <laughs> the look on Buck's so, face. You have me. Jay Cutler, uh, and you did not give up Instagram, correct? I'm still on IG, correct. Uh, okay. So you need to get on there as soon as we get off of here okay. and get to following Jay Cutler's Instagram because he's now in control of it. Kristen Cavallari did control it. And his Instagram is. If I if Jay had Instagram, of course it is so beautiful, of course. Uh, and, and there is actually if you just look up Jay Cutler, there's a Jay Cutler that's a bodybuilder. That is not the Jay Cutler that you think it is. That's not smoking Jay. Um, so smoking Jay has gone. He's, he's now an Instagram master. He is a story on, up on his uh, IG and he has a bunch of posts about this chicken incident. He has many chickens that have gone missing from his farm. And he uh, he is doing an investigation. He was out there late at night with uh, what was it? Uh, heat vision goggles, uh, trying to figure out who the culprit is. <laughs> he <laughs> shut the hell up. No, yeah, this is really happening. He is just but the most recent one is he has posted in a uh, wanted poster uh, for the murder of Jay Cutler's chickens. It has a reward, a Ranger twenty two and a $1,000 gift card to Christensen's Arms. So he is now getting sponsored this hunt for his chicken killer. 
He had originally blamed a cat, which he now has apologized to the cat. So, he, uh, so Thelma is not a suspect. Thelma anymore. has been cleared uh, based on the investigation. Uh, there is a new suspect. There is an owl that we are not 100% sure whether is tied to the direct investigation or separate. But he did say that we have an owl problem and posted a video of owl sounds uh, on his farm. So the owl could be involved. Maybe the cat is thrown. You know, maybe the cat is framing the owl. I don't know. But I'm very intrigued to follow the, the serial killer that is loose on Jay Cutler's farm. I'm watching this Instagram story right now, as you say this to me. Yes. And this is a delightful headline for a variety of reasons. One, because we all laughed in the face of Fox when Jay Cutler retired and they said, no, Jay Cutler would be good at television. We're going to put him in the broadcast booth. (laughs) Jay Cutler made very cavalry. Jay Cutler is now running Instagram and dominating what is an admittedly slow sports news cycle. But still, I am looking at a disheveled, Probably a little hungover, <laughs> very baggy-eyed Jay Cutler walk amongst about 10 to 12 chickens in his backyard, and all of this is just incredibly delightful to me. I can't hear any of it. I'm sure what he's saying is just delivered in such a perfectly dry, comedic tone. The The details are wonderful. He has a rooster named Old Red, who is, or no, Old Blue, I'm sorry. Right his, his, yeah. <laughs> His, so his rooster is named Old Blue, and uh, and he's supposed to be the one protecting the chickens, yes. right? And so he said the last time he went in there that Old, Old Blue came at him. Like, he was like, he's ready to, to hunt human blood. So he says that's encouraging for the safety of the chickens moving forward, but, you know, he's trying to see if Old Blue is up to the well, task. If he's if he's got a thirst for human blood, does that mean that hu- it means that humans are what's taking his chickens, Oh, right? maybe Don't it is. Think, a human. Maybe mean, it's Kristen. It could be. Wow. That's why the gift card's not from uh, Uncommon James. (laughs) And let me me say this. I would watch Jay. If Jay Cutler had his own reality show, you could not stop me from watching it. A hundred percent. Because this is a man that wants to sit down and watch (laughs) other people's deer camera footage on for hours. He could be. What are you doing? And I, I don't blame Kristen Cavallari for really divorcing him. Because I do. This man is a national treasure well, and must be protected at all costs. For us, I mean, for us, he's a national treasure. But could you imagine, like, living with him day after day and all he wants to do is sit around and watch your camera footage he's and stuff? He's better without Kristen. Let's be honest. I mean, him on his own just watching wildlife and commenting on it, I'm 100% here for that content. You could put it on whatever channel and I will pay for it and find it and, and he, because I just want to watch Jay. And he is like this. I mean, what you see is really what he's like yeah. because I've seen Jay Cutler at Music City Tipler, which clo- is closed down now. But what I saw even him is when he was with <laughs> that, uh, it, was a, it was a bar dance club, bar slash dance club. Oh, okay. And we, he, it was. Sounds like a gentleman's establishment. This sounds like This sounds like Unfortunately, it is. It was not a uh, strip club. So I'm at a cute little French place downtown. Deja vu. <laughs> but. I saw him there, and we were at the table next to his table. No free ads. He was. It's one of those like it's kind of like a Volnell rods where the tables are really long, and he's sitting there, and Christian Cavallari's with all of his friends, and he's at least he was practicing social distancing <laughs> before anybody else was. God. And he was at least six feet away from Kristen and all of her friends, just sitting there, and he had a beard at the time. He's just sitting there, just you know, just laid on back, his phone, just does not care. Yeah. No, he wasn't even on his phone. He was just looking. Off, just, just looking just, off, just Jay Cutler, just the the thoughts wandering yeah. through Jay Cutler. So I have many thoughts on this for a variety of reasons. One, 
we should we deserved Jay Cutler in the booth. <laughs> Jason Witten, be damned. ESPN, you wasted all of our time. And now do the right thing. Hire this man and let him be Jay Cutler on national television. Secondarily, this actually serves a useful purpose because this is a PSA for all these people who think it's cute to have chickens <laughs> as pets because I come from rural Indiana. I have family who have tried and attempted the raising and tending of chickens for the purposes of organic eggs. And every time they attempt this, you open the coop to go collect what you believe to be your breakfast that morning, and you see a headless group of decapitated (laughs) chickens because a raccoon has gotten in there and just completely, it's like, I I, I almost made a joke that I absolutely should not have made. (laughs) So best, best that I just stop and talk myself through this. But this is an important PSA. Chicken massacres happen With great regularity, PSA, do not own chickens. Good to know. On top of all of this, I want Jake Cutler as a guest on this podcast, but I don't know. I don't know how it would go because I can I can sit here and we can have fun, the four of us, socially distanced, of course, and we can put on a good product. I think as an interview subject, Jake Cutler would not be engaged. I don't think you can interview him. I think you just have to turn on the mics. And just start talk. talking. Just yeah. conversation. I think the gold would roll out. I don't yeah. think you can interview him standards. But well. then you do run the risk of what Zebo has mentioned earlier, where he just sits across the table and <laughs> stares at you as if you were deer camera film. <laughs> well, just talk about deer, deer cameras. Let's just, just dive into something you don't know and just let him explain to you deer camera footage. Why do you find that ex- exciting and interesting? And just let him give you the reasons. Then that's, ten, a, that's the only question I feel like you need. And then he would never shut up. Your top t- break down your top ten favorite wildlife footage on YouTube. Rank your ch- favorite chickens in order of <laughs> breeds uh, of chickens. Bottom, yeah. Breeds of chickens. Yes, I no. This is the cowardice in me uh, because I want always to put on a good product, and it feels like a don't meet your heroes type situation. <laughs> In an interview <laughs> setting with Jay Cutler, but you know, maybe, maybe, maybe there will be more opportunity, uh, and then I can go get an uncommon. Here's, here's an idea. I'll put, I'll pitch it on here, even though we probably shouldn't let this gold out there. Why don't we get Jay to take us out to the farm and we embed in with him during one of these night vision goggle quests? All right, I'm going to uh, need you to the stop hunt. the audio because we are letting loose <laughs> valuable, valuable information we could use. This is this is the express and exclusive property. <laughs> Of the football and other F words podcast in the six one five sessions. By the way, rate, review, and subscribe for these lovely gentlemen. I should have mentioned that at the top. For we don't the, even check the reviews. Do you check your reviews? I do because people leave me questions in there, and oftentimes oh, really? they're left by people. <laughs> Damn, maybe we, we, should check our reviews. we should check reviews. I can't hear your podcast. It's not audiable. Lebowski said horrendous <laughs> things last week. We should probably check. Them. Well, the most recent one was left by Wes Rucker eats ass, and it simply says <laughs> that. Buck and John Reed are a match made in heaven. So these are the kinds of things that exist in my iTunes review. So while you're rating and reviewing and subscribing to the 615 <laughs> sessions and leaving such wonderful comments, as our dear friend Wes Rucker eats ass. They're good ones. Are you right looking here. at them? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you, you can rate, review, and subscribe to the Football and Other F-Words podcast wherever it is that you get your podcasts. <laughs> Here's one from uh, that we got from May 31st, 2020. Hey, that's my from, birthday. From Jake Butthurt Locker. Okay. Uh, Mike's the man, but the rest of them should just stop. <laughs> Hell yeah, I love you, Jake Butter. There it is. <laughs> but, but how many stars did they leave? One star. Oh, we did, we oh. Mike, so Mike isn't even good enough for two stars, right? We did get one star though. You got the star, baby. You got the star. So you can you can improve the football and other F words podcast rating by leaving them five stars 
wherever it is that you get your podcast. All right, Zebo, you are cleaning up here, and I know that you are worried. I, so this man, this man comes to me with the idea that we're going to do a joint effort podcast, and I say, okay, Zebo, I'm going to. I need one headline from you. Well, to be honest, no, 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 I no, no, woke no, up at no, like no. six in the morning. I did and not I get this news. I did not seed my time. I am. I currently have the floor. If I'm going to come over here and work, <laughs> this is going to be my time. I ask this man for one headline out of a full week in sports, and God knows that there's plenty of things to pull from on a Twitter cesspool. And he says, "Well, I can't, I can't find anything that's going to be as good as Lebowski and Mike." And now that I'm, I, what I'm doing for you right now is I'm helping you. I'm lowering the expectations for the audience who's about to hear the, the the scraps that you have come up with after these two have just brought it strong. So now, with all of that in mind, Zebo, what have you brought to the table? Okay, I'm going non-sports then. Okay. Because I'm going to... I'm going oh, to audible. I'm going to try and top these guys. Here's the headline. Sex-crazed monkeys have completely taken over a city in Thailand. Sold. Wow. Okay. All right. Uh, Cur- currently, monkeys are rampaging through the streets of, Thai- of this Thai city called La Purby. Don't do it. Okay. While it's going to be offensive listen, to someone. <laughs> while using an abandoned cinemas as their headquarters. So these sex crazed monkeys have a headquarters, <laughs> and it's an abandoned cinema in Thailand. And this is what the new footage of the sex mad macaques have revealed. So they're macaques. Before I don't coronavirus- think you're pronouncing that correctly. Oh, I definitely am. <laughs> Before coronavirus, locals <laughs> tolerated the macaques. Thought to number 6,000. There are 6,000 of these monkeys in this city compared to a human population of 750. And they tolerate them because tourists pay good money to feed them and take pictures with them. But the lockdowns have stopped the tourists from coming, which means the monkeys are running short on supplies, mm. turning them violent. Oh, my God. <laughs> and leaving locals struggling to keep control. Mike is currently showing the, <laughs> showing the, uh, the, the room. The picture of the sex crazed monkeys. These, oh, yeah. these are the monkeys that like steal people's food at the beach and stuff yeah. like that. People have sought to appease these monkeys with junk food, right? But the, because of the sugar, it has turned them sex crazed. Yes. And they are now breeding faster than ever. And areas of the city are now completely no go zones because it's overran by these monkeys. The Makwakwe Autonomous Zone. Yeah. Which remember <laughs> the abandoned cinema headquarters. But listen to this. Um, and they have a cemetery for their warrior kings. What? Oh, my God. Really? <laughs> yeah. So apparently these monkeys have warrior kings and they have a cemetery for their warrior kings that may have fallen. Dead monkeys are laid to rest by their peers in the projection room in the cinema's rear. And any human who enters is attacked by the vicious hordes. Wow. Suck on that, you two. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I feel like you just wow. pulled up the plot of a Terry Gillum film and read it's it out unbelievable. loud. Unbelievable. My, my first question. I had to go non-sports to do it, but <laughs> so, I, I definitely think we found a crazy story. I, I love it, but do the cats that live in MetLife Stadium no. versus the monkeys, the macaques in the this entire Do warrior kings, Mike? Let me I don't know. They, do they might. have cemeteries? They might. No, have you, you got been go around to, cats? You got to go to North Nashville to find the warrior king alley cats that <laughs> yeah. live in my neighborhood. <laughs> Which la- brings the question, in Nashville, what would be, would it be raccoons? Is that what we have to fear for an uprising now that, you know, in coronavirus? But 
I mean, they have a headquarters. And it's bachelorettes. Bachelorettes is what we have to fear for an uprising. I, I consider them to be as base as a <laughs> yeah. war, warrior, cannibal, sex crazed <laughs> monkeys, whatever the hell these things are. All right, so let's 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 go piece by piece here okay. because first of all, golf clap for you. Well Thank done. You. And, Thank you. And you are also welcome for helping to lower the expectation. Yeah. So you and then not, I crashed it. You yeah. Not, you broke through that glass ceiling, yeah. buddy. Well done by you. Okay, so we have sex crazed <laughs> monkeys. And I first, before you expanded that the sugar was causing the sex cravings, I had first been curious about, well, what was showing in the movie theater? Are these adult <laughs> films that the monkeys have been left in in times of pandemic? In times Someone just we, left a reel of eyes wide shut going. Where, where they have not had the opportunity to get into the full mode of award season. These are clearly uncultured monkeys <laughs> that are feasting upon porn and sugar. They're this, not watching Parasite in there. We should all be greatly, greatly concerned. Well, so, we just better hope that's not Planet of the Apes marathon plan. Ooh, well, good. and that's where my next point goes, because we sit here in the midst of a global pandemic where we are now starting to emerge. Nashville is in phase three. And we have seen, though, the the environment make a bit of a resurgence while all of us have been confined to our headquarters. In New York, for example, they have cannibal rats that are starving mm. because they have been feasting on garbage left outside of restaurants. But because people have not been able to go to the restaurants, there is no garbage for the rats to feed upon. Oh. So now they are getting aggressive, eating other rats and attacking people for oh scraps of food. This is the animal Thunderdome. We have sex-crazed monkeys, we have cannibal rats, and we are getting ready to be bombarded as we sit here in the lion's den by turkeys that are living outside of, I will not give away the location of the undisclosed location, <laughs> but there are turkeys and they are aggressive, and the alley cats in my neighborhood I wouldn't mess with before the pandemic. <laughs> so I am greatly concerned by all of this, but that is an incredible headline by you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I'm just expect. I'm just kind of a little worried as a dog owner, and Mike, you should be worried because you have three dogs. Yeah. And a that, child. And a child. But, I mean, I don't think there's going to be a child uprising. Uh, well, in, I, don't know. In my well, I don't know. I don't know. No, maybe the turkeys come for the firstborn. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I'm just afraid that I'm going to wake up one night with a knife to my throat by Huxley. I could see it. I mean, he does have his own Instagram and everything. Yeah. I mean, he may be what the one. What does he need me for? He may be the one that's actually killing the chickens, working his way up to human. Yeah. So, plug your dog's Instagram. Uh, at the Sir Huxley. And you you need to plug the dog's Instagram because you people need to see what what Zach what Zebo is being threatened by. It is literally a loaf of bread that my girlfriend saw a picture of and said that dog looks like it gets its ass kicked at the dog park. <laughs> that is what Huxley is. You have no you have nothing to fear from this this plush toy of an animal. That, that waddles about your house. He does not have... <laughs> he doesn't waddle anymore. I've been taking him to a chiropractor. Oh. oh. Yeah. Has he been working out at Row House? No, but he looks like he's... he's we switched his diet and everything. Oh, he's okay. looking pretty thick. So, okay. So you're, you, are, you are conspiring against your own demise at the hands yeah, of your Yeah, pretty dad. much. If, if I die, I gave him all the tools to do it. Well, listen... <laughs> Huxley, and you've, you've even fixed his back. You've made him more yeah. agile, <laughs> agile, mobile, hostile. I think all of these things, of of all of these things, Huxley is the one to be feared the least, but maybe that is all his grand ploy and he's already fooled me and now we will all be at the mercy of one Huxley uh, lions here in the midst of the animal Thunderdome and global pandemic. I still can't believe that these monkeys have their own cemetery inside a studio. I, I didn't even get to that. Cinema. I didn't even get to that detail. Yeah. That's crazy. And also, who is brave? Because it wouldn't be me. 
You wouldn't get, you can miss me with that shit real quick. I am not going and braving the monkey of the Warrior King Cemetery no. oh in an God. abandoned movie theater. No. No. And, and this is from, uh, this isn't from, the Warrior King stuff is from, um, not from like, it's from the Daily Mail. Yes. So like, they came up with this term Warrior Kings. How do you know that these are Warrior Kings? Are only certain monkeys laid to rest here and the rest are just outside the, piled up outside the cinema? I don't know. I mean, who are the warrior kings fighting? I mean, I guess people, right? Yes. Once you once you conquer a a human being, your your cousin in Homo sapien genetics, then you earn the title. I, I'm assuming because the Daily Mail is assuming. I'm assuming that is how one earns the title of monkey sex crazed warrior. King. Who is who is the animal? Oh my god, that's hor- That's that's like my nightmare. That's actual nightmare. Who is fuel. the animal control or specialist that had to make the phone call of? Sir, they've taken over a movie theater. No, I'm not done. Let me finish speaking. <laughs> let, 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 me, let me get through the whole story, please, sir, before you, before you cut me off. There's more. There's more. We're feeding them sugar. No, they have a graveyard, sir. <laughs> I mean, this monkey has, has totally put an unopened box, of a juice box, in his mouth and is just holding it. Someone got this picture of him. Sir, they've gotten a hold of Mountain Dew. Not even They're very the aggressive. They're <laughs> savages. Giving whole new meaning to the great line from Talladega Nights. Chip, I'm going to come at you like a spider. <laughs> Except it's however the hell you mispronounce I'm the name. I'm all jacked up on Mountain Dew. There's a, there's a sign warning people to not feed the monkeys. And there is a monkey tearing down the sign in this picture on the Daily So wow. So let me paint you the picture. You know the asshole who's at the beach who decides to start feeding the seagulls? Yes. Because uh-huh. other birds are adorable. And before you know it, there's 130 of them flapping eye level at you and you're thinking that's why you're a dumbass for feeding them cheetos now give them arms and aggressive sex drives that's what you should be picturing here i mean and it's and it's it's coming at you like it like a spider monkey in more than one ways it sounds like on monday of your beach vacation you fed them cheetos on wednesday they took over a movie theater next door (laughs) so those are the headlines that i have missed in my four days at this point and five in a full week by the time that you're hearing this podcast this is what i have missed on social media well done boys i'm not going to do any better than the picture that lebowski just painted for you so we're going to go ahead and wrap things up here for you on this tuesday while you are rating reviewing and subscribing to the football and other f-words podcast you can go ahead and leave us a five-star review like wes rucker eats ass (laughs) and do all of the things that wes rucker eats ass enjoys doing like leaving us questions and comments for us to read here on the podcast we fear no comments all are welcome It is an inclusive experience here on the 615 Sessions. But as long as you cannot be like one star, cannot be the one star, it has to be the five. Otherwise, I just cannot give you the payoff that way. It's like Lebowski and the Adam Gay stores. You want the cigarette? You got to work for it, big boy. So rate, review, and subscribe to the 615 Sessions wherever it is that you get your pocket. Boys, I haven't done this in a week. I'm very excited to be back in front of a microphone. You can catch us back here with you on Thursday where we will have more great conversations about all of your favorite sports teams. And in the meantime, you need to stay clean, stay safe, and stay hot in Nashville. This has been the 615 Sessions, powered by Tennessee Tickets. Brought to you, as always, by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. <laughs>